Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Draft from the Circus program brought to you by Dan Blay Racing Art and by FirstSuperSpeedway.com. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over this week in racing, preview next week and talk about a myriad of other topics. Joining me in the studio, I have Luis Torres, Richard Uden, and Christopher DeHarty. Fellas, how we doing, man? Good, thank you. Going good. No complaints. Looking forward to Long Beach. All right, man. Looking forward to Long Beach. And a little later in our program, we'll get into a nice preview of Long Beach, one of the, uh, I believe it is the longest continuously running street race in the in North America. Um, or not. We missed a year, didn't we? Yeah, 2020. Ah, we don't like to. We don't like to talk about 2020. Yeah, so. me neither. Yeah, that's <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, but anyway, um, NASCAR was in Richmond. We've been talking about the struggles um, Toyota has been having, but uh, they 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 come out of Richmond with the win. Denny Hamlin, another guy who's been struggling a bit lately, uh, having a tough year. So at the end of the day, um, you know, despite the fact that we saw some really good runs by guys like uh, Ross Chastain, who has been kind of pretty good everywhere this year. Um, it was Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick coming to the forefront at the end of the race there. So, uh, Louise, what were your impressions of, uh, uh, racing on the, on the, you know, the little bull ring there in Richmond? I know I can understand why people didn't enjoy it as much because they had, but the different, like there wasn't much passing or going on, but I look at it this way. Wasn't back in the day about long run strategy and making the car count when it matters most. Because when you when I saw the tail end of the race, William Byron and Martin Truex Universe looked like they were going to put on a fantastic battle between themselves. Then Harvick and Hamlin and Kyle Larson for a cup of coffee showed up and they hunted him down with Hamlin getting an amazing run on the back stretch. It seems like what is going on with Byron? He has regressed badly and Lo and behold, it kind of shows experience versus relative inexperience with Hamlin being the most like, one, one of the more experienced drivers on the grid today to Byron, who's only been competitive for a couple of years now. It just shows you that don't wait till the race is over. It'll be worth it because there were long green flag runs and people were clamoring people on social media saying we need long green flag runs. We need pit road pit stop strategies to come in the foray again. And we saw that this weekend 
like Druex and Christopher Bell were among <laughs> those that stood out trying to strategy, like short pitting or waiting a bit, and then it helped them out. Obviously, they didn't win for Hamlin. First top 10 all season long. It kind of shows you how bad, how frustrating it's been for Hamlin and showed a lot of emotion to the point he climbed on top of his roof, which people threw a hissy fit over. But, hey, you got to give credit to Hamlin. It's been a tough year, and now he doesn't have to worry about, for now, I still don't think we're going to see more than 16 winners, though, but for now, he's in. Yeah, so people threw a hissy fit because he stood on the hood of his car? No, the roof. Because oh. apparently, because... I mean, Chase Elliott destroyed don't, a roof don't, don't in Marsville. Yeah, because don't people generally get on the roof of the car? I see that a lot in NASCAR. Is this suddenly a bad thing? Did I, did somebody I, did, brought did it I up miss something? Somebody brought it up to Bob, and Bob had to say that they NASCAR tend to let them have their moment unless it becomes a common problem. I mean, I look back to the 2004 Brickyard 400 that NASCAR got so mad at Gordon. Oh, NASCAR in Indianapolis got so mad at Gordon for celebrating it. At the yard of breaks, instead of bringing it to victory lane, it's like you cannot stop raw emotion in those circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let him have like, his yeah. moment. Yeah, people can hate on the post ray immediate victory lane interview, all that stuff. I know it's a chagrin to the photographers when you have those Fox and NBC crew interfere with the, an amazing shot in the works. I get the attention to capture them in a true emotional form, like you see at a local short track. Like where Tanner Reef, when he won in Irwin Dale, he climbed the fence and do all that. It's, it's stuff like that. You just let them have their moment, man. Just let them have their moment. The victory lane interview after the bird, I said, oh, that's a whole different story. But when it comes to emotions, let them have their moment. Let them have their moment. I don't, it was just finding ways to complain at this point for the littlest things. Is that well? I mean, you know, if if uh, race fans didn't complain, you know, something I would think something was wrong in the world. But yeah, but at the end of the day, man, good run for Hamlin. You know, he's, uh, you know, some folks are starting to feel that he's uh, barely relevant anymore, and this is we're only a couple seasons removed from him. Uh, you know, having a pretty dominant season, winning the most races. So so here he is back in victory lane, spotting the chase for now, like you say or the playoffs, rather. We don't use the term Chase anymore, uh, unless we're talking about Chase Elliott. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but I was, uh, again, and, and I alluded to this a little earlier, another great run for Trackhouse Racing. I, I mean, it's amazing um, just what some new leadership and, and, and you know, new ownership in there uh, has done to that team. It's really rejuvenated because, you know, the, the Ganassi team, they weren't terrible. They had their share of wins here and there, but, uh, you know, Ross seems to be in the mix more often than not uh, week in and week out. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. It wasn't, he had a strong run for most of the race or the result may not fully reflect on it, but he's been a contender at each and every race so far. And as you mentioned with Ganassi, they only had a couple of seasons, like 01, 02, then 20, 2009 and 2017, to name a couple of them, where they were legitimate title contenders. But with Justin Marks and Ty Norris, I think they, they, got, they got the right people with experience. And, all, and it did help to get that pit bull money for sure. But that, that was the team that kind of had like the brains and all that. And we people have been talking about Justin Marks having the understanding the sport and the ins and out of it, that people say someday he'll be an excellent owner and look where he is right now to the point that we can easily say the one car could be a title contender, but we'll oh, see. About oh yeah, that. certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a long season ahead. Yeah. But he's, uh, you know, he's already, you know, notched him up a win. 
he's uh, he's right up there in the points. So there's no reason to to say that he won't uh, perform when we get to the playoffs. But yeah, but to Justin Marks, I mean, congratulations to that guy, man. You know, he had a he had a dream. He set his sights on, it. and of course, you know, when we talk about taking over the Ganassi team, it's really you know most of what he's picked up is just equipment in a building. You know, uh, so those are a lot of the folks the employed. There are uh, people that uh, Justin has, you know, selected and found. And and again, you know, to, for a race team to be successful, they have to have the right mix of people. And I just I just really like what, um, you know, Justin is doing. Um, uh, you know, I like to see, uh, you know, new team owners coming into a series, you know, that's why I've been pretty happy with like, um, you know, Michael Shank and his, uh, measured approach to, uh, getting into the IndyCar series, uh, and those sort of things. Cause we see too many of these, you know, people with the big dreams that come in and, and, and they're, they fizzle out and they're gone in a moment, you know? Yeah, we can name like for NASCAR or IndyCar, like at Carlin, successful junior program. They're not even around now. They're just kind of like a small row of Yunkos, to my knowledge. Uh, yeah, pretty much they've sold their equipment to Yunkos. And Yunkos is another one that, you know, has been in and out of IndyCar trying to make it happen. But again, you know, Ricardo Yunkos, a brilliant man, right? Uh, surrounds himself with the, with the right people. But when it came time to take that step, you know, out of the junior series and into the, the, the top series, he, mind you, COVID derailed him a little bit, you know, um, budgets derailed him a little bit, but, uh, you know, it's just a couple of years ago that they, they, they knocked, uh, Alonzo out of the 500, but yet, you know, here they are finally putting a car back on the grid, but you got these other teams that have just kind of just disappeared, you know, like, um, you know, Ben Hanley, and uh, Dragon Speed, right? They just, what happened to them, right? Yeah, or even, you also had the 77 program that I can't remember the name at the top of the top of my head that Serbia drove a couple of years ago in the 500, and now they want to invest on a NASCAR team with with Tarso Marquez. Yeah, yeah. So, but let's not, let's not get too deep into IndyCar yeah, yet because we've got IndyCar segment coming up. But uh, let's let's touch on the um, Xfinity race where Ty Gibbs uh, was victorious once again. Ty Gibbs is, uh, you know, how how old is he? 18, 17? He's 18 because if he was 17, he would not be running full-time Xfinity. Yeah, because he, look, he looks like he's 12. But, but he looks gosh, like Dash incredible. <laughs> but gosh, the kid, the kid can drive. But a uh, little controversy there towards the end of the race with um, uh, with John Hunter Nemechek. Yeah, basically door slammed and going in turn three on the last lap of the race. I mean, it's not the worst thing out there. I mean, we saw Johnny Sauter and Matt Kenseth where they hooked bumpers to, I think it was Sauter hooked Kenseth out of the way, shoved them out of the way, dropped them from the lead to like sixth or seventh on the final turn to win the 03 Bush race at Richmond. So the, it's nothing new, but it's, I can understand. I think it boils down to not many people like Gibbs' driving style or personality on top of the fact that John Hunter has been a guy that typically will run you fine, except for Mosport and Cole Custer, <laughs> unless your name is Cole Custer and Mosport a couple many years ago. But it was just a it was just a part fought battle. It's not the first time we see Gibbs cars do something like that before. I mean, Carl Edwards and Kyle Busch in 2016. Anyone? I get it. It's one thing moving them bumper, and another thing is just door slamming. Why not even trying to move them out of the way? Do the old bump and run Corum Horn ordeal. 
But yeah, but it seems like this is this has been like a hot topic in NASCAR, especially you know coming out of the um of Circuit of the Americas race where we saw you know Ross Chastain kind of just stake his ground right there after he got past. He just kind of moved the guys out of the way, and a couple of guys that like Denny Hamlin have been a little vocal about how yeah it is what it is you're fighting for the win, but they're just not pleased with it. It's uh, I, you know, it's like, it's almost like Denny Hamlin, uh, who's, uh, you know, he's been known to take a guy out or two, um, ask chase Elliott, uh, but yeah, he, uh, uh, Jeff Gordon at an all-star race, Jeff Gordon at an all-star ago, race. Yeah. So I mean, Denny's, he Denny's no time. angel, but it, like Denny's talking, like he's thinking about some, you know, 1930 40s, uh, racing is a gentlemanly sport. You know what I mean? It's. Uh, it's not. There's a lot on the line, you know, especially when win it win and you're in when it comes to the playoffs. So yeah, for John Hunter Nemitz, like maybe get back to the Xfinity series someday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because so. if, if he's with JGR, he'd be a title contender by far. But right now he's going. He's eyeing for a Truck Series championship with KBM, which is the top ride in the Truck Series, one of the top rides in the Truck Series. So it works out. But a win comes a long way because. You know, when the inedible happens, when Ty Gibbs goes to Cup, maybe that ride could go to John Hunter. Who knows? It's it's just, and, and, it's, and this also adds for John Hunter a boil of frustration with what happened not that long ago. I think it was with Atlanta with Chandler Smith, another teammate kind of, in his eyes, screwed him over out of a win. So it's kind of like frustration keeps boiling, and it's just hoping for John Hunter's case. He's hoping just a breakthrough. And nothing happened to him where he can actually win a race and nothing, and can move on and continue with the momentum. Yeah. So what do you? Where do you see Ty Gibbs next year? Do you think he's ready to move up to Cup next year? It boils um, down to uh, you know what I mean. True. It boils down to Truex, honestly. Uh, or well, Hamlin is the other guy I think that may move out of the picture and you know, go being, being that he's got, got a car or replace Kirk. And, well, or, or, or just, you know, sit on a pit wall. Um, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of look at the, like the Austin Cindric situation there, right. They were ready to go ahead and farm Austin Cindric out to, um, you know, the Wood brothers until Brad Keselowski made his intent known to go ahead and uh, buy into you know, buy on it, buy on into uh, the Roush team, uh, which opened up the door for Cindric to to hop in the the top cup ride rather than the mid tier cup ride. And I don't know that personally that Ty Gibbs is going to be ready for Cup next year. Uh, I don't think so. But I then think again, run another but, year. But then again, you see these the these these guys are coming out younger and younger. And uh, and they're just impressive, you know. And, and and you think of young guys like uh, Colton Herta, who was pretty strong right out of the box at 18 years old. Um, so yeah, you, you wonder. It, it used to be you had to, you know, put your time in, you know, a couple a couple seasons in the trucks, a couple seasons in Xfinity, and, and then maybe maybe you'd be ready for a Cup ride, maybe a couple of Cup starts here and there. But um, I, I've just seen a lot of these young guys that are just kind of push through I, I mean look at Harrison Burton right now in a cup ride you, yeah you know, yeah I, 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 I wouldn't Sunday. I wouldn't have thought he'd be ready for that yet but but yet and there he is yeah and for Harrison Burton finishing in a top 20 with a clean car for the first time all year 
I got to emphasize this all year. It's good, good for him. Good for him because he has damaged every single car. Most of them, none of his own doing. Just bad luck of circumstances. Each and every single race week, he's had a damaged car. Fortunately, he had a clean car, which is key for them because when you end up with damaging a lot of cars, especially with the seventh gen car, the current one, and with the inventory, you got to be careful. Even own doing or not, it's just something you don't want to think about or like worried about how much cars you have in your inventory. Whether you, whether if you were a Petsky affiliate or not, you don't want to have damaged cars on a regular because that will impact, that will sidetrack you big time. So for Harrison to get yeah, out of Richmond, it, it, it won't make it won't make your um, shop mechanics very happy with you <laughs> when you when unless they like the overtime every week. But yeah, so um. Yeah, well, but anyway, just I just I just kind of ponder what uh, Ty Gibbs' future is, and I know, yeah, I know we'll see him in a Cup car with the Gibbs team. Yeah, it won't be till twenty twenty four, in my opinion. It won't be till twenty four, unless Truex or Hamilton, maybe Kyle Busch, depending on if he. I imagine he won't have any sponsorship problems. I know Mars M and M's are going to leave at the end of the year, so that's a big question mark. Indeed, as far as how many who will step up to the 18 team and sponsor those races that M&Ms have been doing for the last cup plus decade run. But yeah. another noteworthy mention as far as Xfinity is Parker Retzloff, the former Arca East driver, current E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing driver for RFK Racing. Speaking of Koslowski, he had a, a superb showing in the Ryan C car. He qualified in the top 10 once again. It's a second series start, no less. If it wasn't for bad pit stops, which apparently that team is just kind of like volunteers almost, or they're not fully pre- like trained enough to get solid pit stops because Sieg's entries are mostly part-time or some, or not that long ago, like half a decade ago, some of them were starting park rides. But for him to be able to recover just fine, especially from an uncontrolled tire penalty to get it in the top 10, beating a couple JRM cars too, Superb run. It makes me wonder had it not been for those slow stops and the tire penalty, Retzloff could have probably finished in the top five for all we know. He he certainly wowed some people, especially considering he's had not much actual stock car experience aside from Arctic East for a couple years. So that's a kudos to Parker and that whole camera. He'll be running Martinsville this weekend as well. Right. So now, Richard, you've been quiet over there. So I, I want to get your impressions as a guy who's, you know, worked on these NASCAR chassis and whatnot. So we've begun the, you know, the kind of, I guess the short track swing uh, of the season here. we got Richmond, Martinsville coming up, uh, Bristol not too far off, albeit on dirt. But uh, what were your impressions of the uh, the Gen 7 car on the short track? Uh, I mean, like, I, I, I thought it was fantastic at uh, Coda. I thought it was a fantastic car, but uh, how do you feel like it performed at the um, at Richmond? I think the car performed well, uh, but I, I I don't think it may you know necessarily gave a good race. Unfortunately, um, I think the um, you know we, we've certainly seen up to every race we've had now up till now it's, it's been pretty entertaining racing. Um, but whether it's Richmond or it's maybe the configuration on the short track for this car, it just didn't have that, um, 
I don't want to say the cars were too easy to drive, but how many did we see spin out on their own accord during the race? One or two, maybe at most. Um, you know, it was pretty limited. Um, but, you know, the definition of was the car good or was the car, or did it produce good racing? I think the fact that it there was a lot of green flags meant that the car was very good because the drivers could drive it and, you know, they could push the tyres reasonably hard and you didn't have a huge amount of drop-off and you didn't have, you know, the back end stepping out and hitting the wall and all that sort of stuff. So I think the car performed very, very well, um, but did it necessarily produce good racing? Uh, I, you know, I think we need to see some more short track races before to, to really draw a conclusion for that. And as you say, we've got uh, Martinsville coming up this weekend and then, uh, you know, see where we go from there. But, uh, you know, I think the car, can, you know, this car continues to impress week in, week out. And, uh, you know, I know there's some certain detractors and, and, and the like because it's new and it's got a single lug nut and blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I think it served its purpose. And, uh, you know, what you've got to remember is, the benefit of this car isn't going to be seen in this year or you know next. It's going to be seen in three, four years' time when the cost savings really come to fruition. Um, you know, yeah, the initial sediment expense for the teams to build to buy all these chassis and buy all these parts was pretty high. But you know, in theory, you can build one of these cars with two people in a box of parts, uh, which we've never been able to do in the past. So, give it two or three years, and I think it'll really, really start to shine. Yeah, I mean, to your point, the so one of the knocks on the on the car, or one of the whether it was a knock on the car or a plus for the car was that it was supposed to be kind of difficult to drive. You know what I mean? But it, it seemed like everyone had a pretty good handle on it there at Richmond. You know, oh, yeah. so yeah. so yeah, um, you know, so it, it really wasn't difficult to drive. Uh, but or or you know, or were enough races in the guys are just more comfortable with it. Yeah, I think they, you know, they learn. I mean, goodness me, you know, two weeks ago, Denny Hamlin was breaking every transmission he set his eyes on. Now he won a race where they were shifting. So, you know, they learn. These guys are pretty damn good at what they do, and they get themselves some simulated time and get some time in, in these rigs, and uh, and they'll pretty pick it up pretty damn quickly. So, um, you know, there's a lot to these these teams, um, especially the top teams. Um, you know, they'll find a way. And, and um, you know, for everybody who's been saying how Toyota has struggled through the first half dozen races or whatever we've been to now, uh, and then they go and win one. So, you know, it's, it's, they can't be struggling that much. So uh, they'll get there, and I think it'll be, you know, pretty much back to a status quo by the end of the season. All right. So speaking of, speaking of what we get to, uh, before we move on and start talking about uh, the Long Beach Grand Prix coming up and the Australian Grand Prix coming up and the Indy 500 coming up, let's talk about Martinsville coming up. Uh, we've got a night race, night yep. race at Martinsville. It's a little, it's a 400 rather than 500, and that's that's laps, not miles. Uh, Martinsville being a just a, you know just a tick over a half mile. Um, so who do you like for Martinsville? Because Martinsville is. Very, you know, it's one of the more unique tracks on the circuit where it yep. is it is certainly a short oval, but it does not drive in the same fashion that a Richmond or a Bristol does. And no, it's very kind, flat it's kind, of, kind of closer to a, it kind of drives a little closer to a road course. Yeah, two, uh, two uh, road course, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, two, two, um, hair, two hairpins and two straights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
a bit like the old, old track in Germany. But uh, anyway, uh, let's think. What, who, who would we like this weekend? I mean, whew, let's go with... Let's go with Tyler Reddick. He's, he's been there or thereabouts. Week in, week out, and uh, Tyler Reddick has been good every week. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a good pick. I like my, it. Uh, I like it. Former colleagues at RCR, they're saying they're pushing so hard to get that kid his first win, and uh, you know he deserves it. He's really stepped up. You know, we've won them for the last two or three years since he won those back-to-back Twinity Championships. That the kid's the real deal, and um, yeah, he just uh, you know needs to connect all the dots during the race, and uh, you know really. Uh, you know, have a good weekend and get the job done. I think it'd be great for him if he does that. So, yeah, let's go for Tyler Reddick. Why not? All right. Tyler Reddick sounds good. Louise, who do you like? Hmm. I'm going to go somebody else outside of Hendrick for a change. Let's go with... I think you can never count out Truex. I know I went with him last week. He did me good, but I'm going to stick with Truex this week. I think he'll break through and get another short track win, which is still weird to say after like half a decade ago, we were wondering, will he ever win on a short track? <laughs> because I still feel like Blaney could be another contender, but it's, I feel like he'll dominate and not win. That's been the, that's been the quota of his career. Lead a hundred laps. He ain't going to win. Oh man. And that well, happened again Blaney. this Sunday. Yeah, it did. <laughs> he led every Blaney. single lap in stage one. And then Blaney, Blaney was darn after. good on Sunday. Yeah. So, Golly, uh, you, you just jinxed a man. So now, Christopher, you've been quiet over there. So let me uh, allow you to uh, make a pick for Martinsville before I throw my, my pick in the hat, and then uh, then we'll let you uh, kind of guide us through uh, what we can expect in Long Beach. So this particular driver almost got his first win at Martinsville. Um, I'm going to pick someone who hasn't won in almost a full calendar year, I think Chase Elliott's due for a win. Okay, well, you kind of just stole my pick. Uh, you certainly due for a win. You can't deny that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna go with Chase. So uh, let me see who y'all left me. Uh, you know, honestly, um, uh, it's it's tough to tell because we haven't been on a track like Martinsville yet. You know, if it was a super speedway, I'd go with the Fords. You know, if it was. Uh, but, but, but honestly, I, I'm thinking maybe Joey Logano here for, uh, Martinsville. So, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe that'll go South for me. Maybe Joey will win one. Yeah. He's, uh, he's been, he's been in the mix, but he's not been really making a lot of noise this year too much. So, uh, let's see if maybe, uh, Joey's got one in him. Uh, cause, uh, Kenseth is nowhere to be found. Uh, so we should be good. Speaking of Kansas, the Hall yeah. of Fame this year. Yes, yeah, we can talk about a Hall of Fame a little later in the show. But what I want to talk about now is the uh, the Long Beach Grand Prix coming up. Here we are, uh, Long Beach Grand Prix. The uh, the two closest we've had together since uh, the very. I think well, I want to say the very first two were kind of close together. The Formula Five Thousand race and the um, the first Formula One race uh, back in 74 and 75 uh, or 75 and 76, whatever. It's been a long time. It'd be 75, 76. I think so. Yeah, they were uh, they, they were months apart, not a year apart. But uh, yeah, so we uh, we last raced in Long Beach towards the end of last season. Now, Long Beach with everything post-COVID now, uh, we hope, 
is uh, back to his traditional early spring date. Um, we've got a couple of uh, guys in there who have uh, performed very well at Long Beach. You've got uh, Will Power, who's won there twice. Rossi's won there twice. Colton Herta is your most recent winner there. Um, Sato's got a win there. Um, so, Chris, Christopher, let's uh, let's talk about Long Beach and uh, and what we might expect to see, you know, coming into uh, uh, our third race of the 2022 season for the Indy cars. So Long Beach <clears throat> has, you know, always had this April date, except for last year with COVID. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of liked it being in September as a season finale because Long Beach has always been, you know, one of the major races on the calendar. I mean, if you had to pick one race from each discipline, you know, it's Long Beach for the street circuits, for the road courses, it's Road America. And for uh, ovals, it's obviously Indy. But, I mean, as the season finale, it had a fun buzz about the event that you, I mean, yeah, you get a fun buzz about the event in spring with, you know, the locals and everything. But when there's, the championship is on the line, like it is in September, it was actually kind of cool to see um, with everybody being there. Now, being back in April, it's it's getting back to what is, for lack of a better term, normal. Um, I just looked on the website again, actually a couple nights ago, there's actually going to be no you know, COVID protocols unless there's rising cases again. So we're looking more and more like 2019. Um, now, of course, we meant you mentioned uh, who we're looking at um, early this season. It's hard to go against Scott McLaughlin over at Team Penske. He won the first race of the year in St. Petersburg. He very nearly won the second race of the year over at Texas. And, you know, when you know, it's just a last lap, last turn kind of deal that stopped him from getting it. But still, um, he's really, really up to his game. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in Long Beach. Um, Newgarden getting the win away from him. He's starting off the year a lot better than he did last year. Um, can't count him out either. Um, I think, doesn't he have? No, I don't think he has a win at Long Beach, but I think he's no, doing pretty well. He had there. a strong run last last September yeah. from the pole until yeah. Herda. Yeah, yeah, he won the pole there last year. Yeah. But I mean, so, I mean, Newgarden's a guy you can't count out at nearly any track. Uh, especially when Penske is on and Penske has had, you know, two straight years of being off and this year they're on. Well, it's funny last year, they couldn't win a race to save their lives. It wasn't until I think uh, mid Ohio that they got their first win. And, um, you know, they lost a lot of races just very close. And now here they are, they've won the first two. Um, I don't know what's caused them to turn everything around, but it's, it's good to see because, you know, they, they are their top team is where they should be. And that was a big storyline last year, but the really it, it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, Rossi's had two wins there. Colton won there last year, but. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This year, Andretti, just, it's just been a mystery as to what's going on with them, you know? Like Texas, the three of the bottom four positions were filled with Andretti cars. Uh, Colton didn't necessarily fare too much better having a pit stop issue, and he finished 12th. And he was the best Andretti car. Um, I, I wish I knew what was going on because, you know, they are – they have great drivers. They have great engineering staff there, um, as we've seen the last few seasons. But it's just weird, you know? Yeah, well, interesting enough, the, the Andretti tested today at Barber. Uh, along with, uh, it was supposed to be just Andretti and Ed Carpenter testing, but they had a couple of other teams join them based on the fact that they had to kind of call off the uh, test at the um, the road course at Indy. So uh, Ganassi was down there as well as uh, somebody else was down there. But the uh, all the top times were set by the Andretti guys at Barber uh, with Colton Herta being at the top and Grosjean being firmly in second. Um in the testing earlier today. So, uh, uh, you know, hopefully whatever kind of speed they found there at Barber, they could translate to long beach because again, you know, here's a guy, you know, here, here's a guy who's looking at getting into formula one. Right. And, and you gotta wonder, you gotta wonder if his IndyCar team is struggling. Is it because Michael's focus isn't there? You know, because he's because he's working on this whole Formula One deal, right? And you know, Michael has obviously a lot of really good people that work for him. Uh, but but if he's been a little disconnected, is this why we're having problems? You know, and and mind you, some of the problems were are are, are mechanical and just dumb luck in the snap. But uh, I mean, my gosh, but look at Rossi; he's on every every stupid thing happened to him. Uh, in the last two years that you possibly could. So uh, you got to wonder, is, is is Michael disconnected? And is that part of the problem? Or is it just, uh, uh, you know, un- unrelated kind of kind of silliness? Um, but somewhere, somewhere the focus is lost uh, because this is the team with the potential to. I mean, it was, I, I mean, that IndyCar put up a little stat the other day uh, about you know on this day you know two days ago andretti cars finished one two three four at saint pete back in 2005 and that's the first and only time that uh, one single team has swept the top four positions in a race so you know we're only decade and a half removed from that kind of domination but uh it really seems like you got guys you know teams like mclaren and even uh uh, you know, Carpenter, uh, rail to a smaller extent, just kind of breathing up their breathing up their neck to be that the number three team after uh, Penske and Ganassi. I think what you may be seeing here actually is is um, you know a little bit of, of of as you mentioned maybe a distraction there from Michael's side on these other business ventures. I mean, you know, he does have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, uh, isn't he? Um, but also, I think maybe. 
as the sport grows from a techni- technology standpoint, you know, are they keeping pace with that? And um, you know, maybe some of these smaller teams are investing more and more in some of these technologies, and it's just not, you know, he just hasn't kept up for whatever reason, or he's not getting support he needs from the engine supplier, um, and all that sort of, uh, you know, that, that sort of side of things, um, you know, because I'm sure the the core people that they have are very very good, but do they need to bring more people in? to support their IndyCar project rather than bring people in to look into other, uh, other, uh, you know, motorsport activities. Another thing I'd look at is just cohesiveness. Like how well are everybody working together? Like, is it, maybe, is there an issue there? Um, I mean, I know you've got four teams, you've got four, you know, people trying to go for their driver. Is everybody working together as well as they should? Um, I mean, the, in 2005, 2006, you know, you had, or 2005, you had Dan there with Dario, you had TK, um, Marco was coming in 06. You had Brian, you know, Brian Herder was the other guy in 05, yeah. Yeah, and, and you had a good group of people there that really worked well together, and, you know, it was all one big unit. That's why they were so well. Is there something going on there? Um, you have to ask the question because you've got the son of, you know, his race strategy, of the race strategist, you know, as one of the drivers, former Formula One driver as another. Well, actually, two former Formula One drivers as another. And then you've got, um, you know, Devlin, who's got, you know, crap lot of money that he's brought to the team. So is everyone pulling in the same way? You know, is is everyone going in the same direction? And if not, then that has to get fixed immediately. That's pretty much what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's a good point. Now, the other thing, if you start to think about it, right, and look at Andretti's struggles, right, you know, through the um, the early aughts, you know, they were they were pretty dominant. They, you know, they won championships in, you know, 04, 05, 07. Um, you know, they won a slew of Indy 500s uh, during that period and past. But, uh, yeah, you really – the first time they really struggled was during the um, the manufacturer kit era. And they kind of chalked that up to the fact that they were the Andretti team was burdened with the responsibility of testing the Honda Aero kit for the 2015 season, um, which hampered them from just testing on their own and testing the car. Uh, and it just seems like ever since then, the the excuses are easier to come by. You know, now mind you, you know, Rossi had some some great successes in uh 2016, 17, 18, but but since then, uh yeah, and Hurtis has some great seasons, but Hurt has been, you know, really up and down. You know, he's either leading every lap, dominating the race, or he's running at the back. You know, he's he's never contended for the championship. So yeah, something is amiss at Andretti, and and nobody can seem to really put their finger on exactly what it is. So, but, uh, I, you know what, but uh, a win for one of those Andretti guys at uh, Long Beach w- would do wonders for the team morale. Agreed. All right. So Chris, who you like for Long Beach? That being said, Alex Palou. Honestly, I like Alex, but the other Alex, I actually like Rossi to try and get, get this win. You know, he's, he's been very frustrated over the last, uh, 
God, almost three years since his last win. His last win was at Road America in 2019, which was a royal butt kicking. He started second, led every lap, except for, I think, one on a green flag pit stop sequence. But, like, you're you're wondering, when's this bad luck going to end? And I really like him for Long Beach. He's got two very dominating wins there. It is, for lack of a better term, a home race for him. Um, I like him for this weekend coming up. Okay. And you know what? And, and those California fans would like nothing more than to see the California guy win that thing again. Yeah. So, uh, Richard, who do you like? Uh, let's go. Penske clean sweep of the first three and go with willpower. Okay. Willpower. Good pick. Good pick. Louise. I'm going to safely say is if it's going to have, if, if the, how would I put it? The time, if you're going to say the time has arrived for a, for a driver to finally be a true legit title contender, this must be the race for her to, to really be a title contender. If he does not scrap him off as the title contender. So it's, it's two way street. Herta wins. He'll be in the mix. If he's not, then I am going to have real doubts of him being a title contender again. Yeah, sunk for the year, yeah. So I'm going to go with Newgarden uh, based on his poll last year and his momentum and the fact that the Penske team has momentum. Uh, and, and I think uh, yeah, I think Newgarden's going to be tough. to. I, I think that the leaner three-car Penske team really suits uh, what they're doing. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think maybe the four cars was part of their struggles the last couple of years. Because uh, we've seen consistently that, you know, while teams like Andretti have performed really well with four cars, um, they're probably the only one. Uh, Ganassi did really well with four cars last year, minus Jimmy Johnson. So they had three out of four. Uh, but Penske, whatever they, 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 because they've gone three cars, four cars, three cars, four cars, back and forth. And it always seems like when they go to that, they get that fourth car, they just don't have the same success as when they lean it down. Uh, and I think that Penske is going to be tough to beat all year long. Uh, so I'm going to go with Newgarden there. So speaking of Penske, the guy who owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, we are, oh, you know, it's April now. So we're, uh, you know, just we're under a month from the month of May. And there's only 32 confirmed entries for the 500. Uh, if you recall, the last couple of years, we've had as many as 36, 35, 36 um, going for that. But it, it, it really looks like, and somebody, so there'll be 33 before we uh, get to race day. But it would be nice to see, you know, an actual bump and, and see, more than 33, but it's really, if, if we start to kind of look at it, uh, it's a little bit of a tougher deal this year because nobody kind of wants to branch out and say, yeah, yeah, we'll go ahead and run another car. Because in the past, you know, Foyt's ran another car and, and Coins run another car. But nobody seems to be really willing to do that. Even Penske has been pretty firm on his three cars. Uh, you know, Ganassi's already got four. Andretti's kind of set at five because they're adding Marco to the mix. You've got to do uh, so, it to make money, though, haven't you? You're not going to do it for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so evidently, there's no shortage of engine leases, okay, because there's theoretically 36 available engine leases. 
Um, there are DW12 chassis out there to be had or purchased. Um, you know, because you got you got guys like uh, Dragon Speed sitting on one. You've got uh, oh god, buddy, the Zier's got an older one hanging around that can't be updated. Um, but but I want to talk about the Top Gun, right? And this is a team, and and this is what I find so interesting is that uh, just last year, last fall, we had uh, both the Throckmortons, Stephanie and uh, Bill, uh, who own Top Gun Racing, on um, on the show here. Uh, they had nothing but praise for R.C. Enerson, right? And then we had, a few weeks later, we had R.C. Enerson on the show, and he had nothing but praise for the Throckmortons, and they had planned on continuing together. Something, something has gone wrong there in that relationship, and I don't know what it is, uh, but there's now there's a dispute over who actually owns those cars. Now, Neil Enerson, who is uh, RC's dad, and Neil is also the owner of the Lucas Oil Racing School, um, put a bunch of his money up to buy those cars. They have one car that's put together in road course trim and one car that's more or less disassembled. Um, so uh, Neil put up a bunch of money to get these cars only for them to get bumped last year at Indy, but they were able to run at uh, the Grand Prix only to finish last place uh, after a mechanical. Um, and even then, even after that, they were still all, you know, kind of, you know, all together, lovey-dovey and all in it together. But, but something has soured the relationship. Uh, RC, had, you know, put out a, more or less of a cryptic statement that he would be, uh, you know, continuing to see what he could do this year, but it would not be with Top Gun. Top Gun has been very quiet um, other than that they intend to run a car and they are in negotiations now. Uh, you know, I'll tell you my, uh, <clears throat> one of my side projects here, we, we have actually invested Oh, nearly $6,000 in sponsoring Top Gun. Uh, and we're, we're about to ask for our money back. <laughs> but, um, the, you know, the Stephanie Throckmorton insists that they are in negotiations. They're not ready to give up yet. But the dispute is of who owns the car, right? And Marshall Pruitt published an article saying that uh, I guess they said unless they they exercise a clause for seven figures, which is over a million dollars, uh, to buy the cars from the Enersons, that they won't have a car. So I mean that right there kind of indicates that the Enersons own the car, and and as far as the Enersons are concerned, I hear some little rumblings that what they want to do is run one of those cars in a couple of road courses later this year, not do the expense that it takes to do Indy and uh, run RC at a couple of road courses uh, on their own, you know, as Enerson racing. So, uh, I mean, Chris, I, I, I can't see anything other than uh, no top gun entry in the field. Uh, have you heard anything different? 
sorry there, I had to unmute myself. Uh, I haven't heard anything different. Um, I really just hate it because RC's always been a good person to talk to. He's always been willing to, you know, talk, talk openly about, you know, what's going on with him. Um, and quite frankly, he's, you know, he's had a very weird career in open wheel. You know, he's had, he did USF 2000 a couple of years on the road to Indy. Then he went directly to Indy Lights and actually skipped um, what is now Indy Pro 2000. Um and then just doing hodgepodge part-time, you know, rides here and there. It's just, he needs stability. And it's just something that's been very hard to come by for him. Um, I haven't heard anything different about, you know, him doing the 500 or him doing any other races, but it's well, frustrating. He, he's, he's pretty much said that you won't see him at the 500. So, All right. you know, but, but there, you know, and if he is, it won't be with Top Gun for sure. Which is frustrating because they work. They seem to work really well together last year. But I just I don't I don't know what's going on there. Um, I mean, not making the five hundred honestly is frustrating. But you know, we also have to look at the the realistic, you know, parts of the situation here. I mean, they didn't get their car until April first last year, so they were already behind the eight ball. And to get as close as they did, I think is actually an achievement. It's a credit to their effort that they were able to get that close with that little preparation time when you know full well that there are teams that are building their Indy 500 cars starting in like what, September, October, the previous year and doing all the, you know, the body fit and all the fine tuning to make it work. Right. Yeah, it is. It is kind of, I really wonder what soured the relationship, but you know, as well as I do, what sours most relationship is disagreements over money. Uh, and, and I'm sure that there's something uh, in there, you know, because I, I know Neil sunk a lot of his money in there. I know Bill and Stephanie sunk a lot of their own money in there. I, I know Bill and Stephanie have raised money that they've had a couple of minor sponsors that have, have come on board. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's anything to the point where they're going to be able to put a car on the track. Now, who can put a car on the track? Okay, so you've got Stephen Wilson and his investors uh, still out there, but they they lack a team, a crew, a shop, a car, right? All they have is a driver and some money. Um, Will Mariotti, the faster pastor, uh, I, I know Will relatively, uh, you know, reasonably well. Uh, he's a good dude. Um, he says he's got a driver lined up. I have no idea who it is. And he says he got some money, but I'll I'll just – Going record is saying that the money he has isn't enough, uh, and the driver that he has is not doesn't have much more. Uh, then, of course, then the next one is Beth Peretta, who uh, you know they 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 went in last year with uh, Simona De Silvestro in the car uh, with some you know with an assist from Roger Penske and, the, and Team Penske. Uh, but uh, what I'm hearing from them is they're like. Also looking at maybe just doing a couple of races later in the year and skipping the expense of, the expense of Indy. Because, again, there's a, a gap in funding. So, you know, where does this 33rd car come from? You, you know, obviously, the, you know, at the, at the end of the day, Roger can wheel out his spare and hire a guy to, to throw in there um, since he owns a series. But, uh 
they're they're pretty adamant that they're not going to do that. But if push comes to shove, if push comes to shove, and we're going to be short an entry for the five hundred, Chris, do you think Roger will go ahead and and jump that shark? I don't think so. Um, I think there ultimately, I think there will be a thirty three car, but I don't know where it would come from. Um, I think Honda have said that they are maxed out on entries. Um, it would have to be a Chevy entry, but I don't see, honestly, I don't see where it's coming from because I've got the, uh, the full seat, the list of drivers that have you know signed for different races, you know, Ganassi is going to have five cars. Um, well, that's Honda, but still McLaren, they're going to have three cars like they did last year. Foyt's going to have three cars. They ran, they tried to do four last year and Charlie Kimball didn't make it. Um, Dry and Rainbow, they actually expanded to two cars. Carpenter's going back to three. Yunkos is back, but they are only running one car. Um, and Penske's got three. So, so, you know, it's at the, you know, some teams are adding while others are subtracting, and you're ended up with one fewer car. But you know, we also have to remember the chassis that Pareto ran last year was actually the car that Yunkos owned. So why Yunkos is in is because, you know, they're not leasing their car to anybody else. Like it's, you know, their, their own car now. Um, okay, so just, so what, frustrating so on it, what, what happened to the, the chassis that uh, Carlin owned? Um, I mean, think about that because Carlin had a couple of chassis because they, they, they actually ran uh, several races with uh, two cars. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think Ricardo might have some of that. I would assume that he would. The problem is having the people to run those cars. Um, because you know, Ricardo, as you know, he's got a very successful road to Indy program, he's got a very successful, um, well, he had a successful karting program before he shut that down. Um, he has a solid group of people that work for him. But what he doesn't have is enough people to do two cars like he did the first time he ran at Indy in 2017 when he had Spencer Pickett and Sebastian Saavedra. Um, that's what it comes down to. Uh, he doesn't have the people. Um, then again, they're trying to build it slowly with Callum Eilat driving for them. And I think they're doing it the right way. I just, you know, I just wish they had more people. Yeah, I think that's, that's the resounding refrain is that it's not a lack of engine leases or equipment it's a lack of skilled people to 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 crew the teams to engineer and whatnot so yeah it's uh it'll be it'll be a sad day if we only have 32 entries for the 500 i mean it won't be the end of the world and and i'm sure that somebody even if it is roger will step up and get that 33 car that 33rd car in there because i think you know, the, the days of calling Buddy Lazier at the last minute and throwing him a couple of hundred thousand dollars is uh, has has passed because <laughs> Buddy's probably pushing 60 now. I don't even uh, know that they had, I don't even know if they had a car still. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. It's, this is what, 2018 or 17 he last raced? I think yeah, 17 I was last when he ran. Yeah, that sounds about right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So of course he's you know he's got a kid who's a pretty skilled Finn or Flynn. Is it Finn or Flynn? 
Flynn, F-L-I-N-N, I think. Flynn, yeah. So, well, we'll, we'll just have to see. We, uh, again, we've got, uh, you know, a couple more weeks until we uh, open the speedway for practice. So, uh, we'll see who steps up there. Anyway, so, Richard, we got about five minutes left. And Formula One is going down under to Australia. So, let's, uh, let's uh, preview Australia real quick. Um, do you think the Ferraris can, uh, ma- maintain their, uh, pace? Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to see any massive changes from, uh, the pecking order in the last couple of races. Yeah. Some teams may bring some upgrades and he's probably looking at Mercedes there to see what, how they can react to what they've learned from those first two flyaway races in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. Um, that'll probably be the big, big test. Um, but you know, you, you do expect, you know, to be relatively similar uh, from what we've seen, but uh, it'll be good to get back there. First time in since what 2019, we've been to uh, uh, you know, Australia for Formula One. Obviously, that we were there in 2020, and everybody was getting ready to go racing. And then, uh, well, we all know what happened after that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. There's some track changes there. Um, pretty much every corner on the track has had some work done on it and modifications. Uh, there's four DRS zones around the track now. I mean, it's pretty much make every you know, or RS. If, yeah, if you if you within a second, just let them open it. No matter where they are on the track, if they want to go through a high speed tunnel with DRS, have at it, boys. You know, uh, <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see how those track changes uh, play out if they're doing right. the racing any better. Um, I think I think it will do in a couple of places. They've certainly sp- you know increased the overall speed of the lap, um, taking out some of those high speed chicanes and basically straight land them now so um yeah i think that's going to be very very entertaining so uh, looking forward to it really am i think it's a the downside of that is it's like a 2 a.m race so <laughs> in and on the east coast here so uh um, i mean yeah that's you the guys, problem with Louis on the west coast in australia and, yeah <laughs> you guys uh, you guys are um, Beach are on the yeah west coast. i don't you know if i'm at 11 be, o'clock <laughs> i don't know if i'll be able to be fully awake to watch it depends how <laughs> i still have to finalize how i'm going to go about long beach because i may Stay as like to shoot Formula D photos, Formula Drift. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we'll see. I've never there done it go. because I always leave late in the day. Uh, there were some uh, great photos with the tires smoking away on those cars and the backs, you know, the back end outside ones. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it is the only downside of it from the North American market, especially with the you know the new announcement of the Vegas race. You know, really pushing for uh, for those races to to sort of turn around and be like, well, you know, this is two o'clock in the morning, so. It is what it is, but I'm sure plenty of people will watch it live. I'll probably do that myself, as stupid as that sounds. But, uh, you know, why break habit of a lifetime? And, uh, you know, then, um, you know, it'd be, be yeah, it'd be, you know, look, really looking forward to this race. It's Australia, Melbourne, it, it's just something about that circuit, the character to it. The Yeah, it, it's got a, for, for me, it's a, a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling about that circuit. I yeah. enjoy it. And it's been too long since we've been there. You know what I mean? So, it has been, yes. Yeah. So, 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 Richard, Melbourne. who do you who do you who do you like for the win? Who who do we oh. like for the win? Uh, you know what? I think Checker is going to get uh, revenge for what? Not revenge. That's the wrong word. But uh, a reward oh. for, for for what happened in in Saudi the other week. I think he's uh, you know for the first time he really put it to Max in qualifying uh, in in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I, I think that uh, the potential, if he can do the same thing again, hopefully he won't have that safety car 
timing issue like he had yeah, uh, the other yeah. week. And uh, he deserves it. You know, he, he certainly does deserve it. And with some of the words coming out from Helmut Marko regarding Pierre Gasly saying that basically if they don't get Gasly into a, a Red Bull by the time his contract expires with the Red Bull family, uh, but basically if if they don't replace Checo with Gasly either in 2023 or sign a new contract for 2024 with him, they'll lose him to another team, which I think Gasly's done more than enough to prove that to be the case. Um, you know, so, so there is pressure on Checo there to, to, to perform and to play that number two role, but he also does have to, you know, you do have a um, constructor championship to, to, to bear in mind here. And you look at the Ferrari partnership, that's a very, very strong driver lineup. Uh, and you look at the Mercedes driver lineup, you know, again, a very, very strong lineup. So you probably look at those big three, the big three teams, and you probably put at the moment Checo as the weak link in there. Although he has won a race and Carlos Science hasn't, you just think that there's maybe something a little bit more about Carlos Science when it comes to his proximity oh. to Charles Leclerc in that car. Okay, that was a rather long answer. It so was. That yes. was a, yeah, but uh, so you're going with Checo. Checo. All right, so uh, Christopher, who do you like? Who do you like for Australia? Leclerc. He's uh, he's really adjusted well to the new cars, and I think he's going to be uh, doing well in Australia. All right, that's a very good pick. Charles Leclerc is uh, matter of fact, Lewis Hamilton is a little worried that if Charles Leclerc dominates all the races, Formula One will become boring. Which coming from yeah. Lewis, coming coming from Lewis Hamilton, I, I found that to be hilarious. <laughs> All right, Louise. Oh, since Charles is out of the picture, I'm going to go with Max. Okay. So that leaves me, Carlos Sainz. I'll go ahead and, and, and take Carlos and say that he's, he's the next <laughs> next first Grand Prix winner. So, uh, And to your point about Pierre Gasly, I really hope he uh, is able to step back up again. I, I've, you know, I've, you know, very publicly been on record telling you, I, I really like this guy. I like his style. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I wish him well. So, but we yeah. are out of time. So I want to thank, um, Dan Blay racing art, uh, for sponsoring us, uh, Dan Blay. He'll make you a custom die cast of an IndyCar or his son, Michael will both are equally skilled. You can find them on Facebook. Just look up Dan Blay racing art. Uh, also, uh, the uh, Legend of the First Super Speedway, a fine book by Mark Dill. Um, you can find a link to buy his book on his website, firstsuperspeedway.com. And while you're on that website, there is a treasure trove of information about um, pre, uh, you, you know, pre. 1920 racing uh, with stats and articles, and it's just—I uh, mean, if if you love racing history. Hop, hop on there and have a look at it. But I want to thank you, Richard, Christopher, Louise. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank Spreaker, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. But most of all, I want to thank you folks for taking time to listen to us every week. But until next week, good night. Website, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.